Hello and welcome to the Positive Choices Podcast, where we give you brain-based strategies to help children make positive choices, solve social problems, regulate strong feelings, and thrive. I'm Lindsay Keeley, a social and emotional learning specialist and your host. Around the Thanksgiving season, it's often a time where people pause and give thanks for their blessings and what they have in their lives. And oftentimes there's this pressure to feel happy or joyful. I should feel happy. Look at all the amazing things I have in my life. I should be so grateful. And yet what happens when you're feeling other things like sadness, maybe anger, other frustrations in your life? This can almost add a second layer, your should feelings. I should be happy. And that can complicate your emotional landscape and it can actually add shame or guilt for your emotions. So in this episode, we're going to talk about what you can do to hold space for all your feelings so that you can healthily and productively meet your brain and meet yourself where you're at and move forward for a happier and healthier life. Let's get started. I am thrilled to be here with you and recording the first episode of season two of the Positive Choices podcast. Podcasting is one of my favorite things, creating content, getting to research different topics, nerd out on the data, as my husband and I say that we do. It's really such a joy and it's so life fulfilling for me. And so all that to say, I am thrilled to be here with you. It has been a minute. We recorded our last episode in June of 2021. We are now in November. Um, when this podcast release, it will be the week of Thanksgiving. And so I want to start off by thanking each and every one of you, all of our listeners, for your patience in waiting for us to release the second season. We originally thought we would be taking about a six-week break. That turned out to be quite a bit longer. Um, We used that time to be able to release more books on Amazon that are teaching different skills like problem solving. Um, There's a book called Pug Solves a Problem. We published a book called Lion Learns to Listen, helping kids really build listening, active listening skills. And one book that we recently released I think it was a couple weeks ago, is called Bear Takes a Brain Break. And it is honestly the book that I've been wanting to write for years. It's a single book that teaches kids about their feelings, ways to handle them in healthy ways. And it gives caregivers, parents, teachers, really practical things that they can do to support kids in their emotional storms. So all that to say, it's been really amazing to be in that creative headspace with writing books and teaching. I got to teach this summer um, at Oregon State University with the graduate students. Shout out to all my graduate students who are tuning into this podcast episode. I just have to say, they are all amazing. And it truly was a class where I learned. Sure, I, I taught some things, but I really got to um, step back and listen to these amazing individuals bring about great concepts and feedback. And we talked a lot about our values and things that are important to us, like maybe, um, you know, boundaries or trust or respect. And and we were filtering everything that we discussed about education, different topics on how to teach in elementary education settings. I had the students, and we all did this collectively, filter our perceptions and our ideas through the lens of our values. So um, would I say this to a student? 
Well, before I move forward in handling a problem in a certain way with a student, I stop and think, am I truly respecting them? Or am I, you know, if kindness is your value, am I showing them kindness when I fill in the blank? And that is such just a great way to reflect and just decide if whether or not your actions are in alignment with how you want to be living and in alignment with when you're acting your best self, so to speak. And so that is just a quick little update on how we've been doing, how I've been doing. And now I'm ready to jump into podcasting again. So thank you for your for your time, for um, tuning in today, and also for your patience for this second season to be released. In this episode, we're going to talk about how you feel about your feelings. And in the research, this is called meta-emotions. And this concept was coined and developed by one of my favorite researchers. And I actually talked about this researcher, Dr. John Gottman, in episode 14 of season one of the Positive Choices podcast. And the title of that episode is Choosing Connection Over Isolation. And Dr. Gottman has a lot of research research, extensive research on how to connect with others as it pertains to parenting and also in the context of marriage relationships and partnerships. And he talks about the power of turning towards someone else when someone makes a bid for connection, meaning they're saying something like, hey, um, would you want to go out and have pizza with me? That's an example that I gave. Um, that's meaningful to Thomas. I think pizza is his love language. So when he makes that bid for connection, when you realize, oh, People in my life are wanting to connect. That's actually kind of a vulnerable thing. Um, And when I respond to that with, yes, I'm eager to do that, or you know what, that sounds amazing. Can we circle back to that? Maybe Tuesday would be great. When we prioritize that, when we acknowledge someone's bid for connection, that really fosters the relationship rather than I have a ton of emails to work on. Tonight's not a good night. That used to be my go-to where I would just maybe dismiss a bit of a connection that Thomas might give. But now I know the power of turning towards and the power of acknowledging bids and making bids for connection myself. So that's what we talked about in episode 14 um, about choosing connection with someone else over isolation. And we're revisiting Dr. John Gottman today because he has some incredible research about meta emotions. Again, he defines that as how you feel about your feelings. This really came into play with his research about parenting, and he found that parents really differ with the respect to the way that they feel and think about their own emotions and the emotions of their children. And this is important because this affects the way that they approach emotions on a daily basis. So this concept of an organized set of feelings and thoughts about emotions is part of the concept of meta-emotional philosophy that Gottman and his researchers coined. (laughs) And why this matters is because the way a parent approaches their own emotions and a child's emotions really impacts a child's emotional intelligence. And in a previous episode, we talked about the importance of emotional intelligence. And we know that children and adults who have high levels of emotional intelligence have these outcomes. They have greater control over impulses. They can delay gratification. They're more motivated. They can read other people's social cues. They're able to better cope with life's ups and downs in a healthy manner. And so we know that emotional intelligence is huge. And a big part of that is how we view emotions themselves. And so for instance, 
as a parent who might have been taught or it might have been demonstrated to them in childhood that it's not okay to have feelings like anger or sadness. Maybe when a person was young and maybe they'd be really sad and crying, their parent might have said to them, don't cry or you know what, suck it up. You have a great life. You have no reason to be crying right now. Or maybe even a person would get punished or got in trouble for being mad. So these different experiences, this wires a person's brain. This, in effect, is communicating to a child, oh, it's not okay to feel this way, or anger is a bad emotion, or I'm silly, or maybe someone feels um, shame or guilt about feeling a certain emotion. And so we know that those individuals, those caregivers who have the meta-emotional philosophy that emotions are okay, they're neutral or good. Um, The parents that come alongside a child and say, I know you're upset. It's okay to be sad. Even something like acknowledging a feeling and upholding a boundary, like we've discussed before saying, it's okay to be mad. I can tell you're mad at your sister, but hitting her is not helpful or it's not okay to hit. I'm going to help you be safe with your body or it's important to be safe. Let's go take a brain break. Let's take some deep breaths because that's a good way to help your brain when you're mad. So those little subtle nuances in the way we approach children's emotions makes a difference in their trajectory, in their developmental progression, and in turn, how they relate to other adults and then how they parent themselves. And so as you're joining me today, maybe you're driving your car or you're on a walk, maybe you're folding laundry like I do when I'm listening to podcasts, I want you to take a moment and just pause and think, when I was growing up or when you were growing up, how were you parented? What was your parent or caregiver's meta-emotional philosophy? Did they encourage you to feel your feelings? Did they acknowledge them and say, oh, I can tell you're upset or it's okay to feel sad? Or did you have a different experience, maybe maybe on the other side of the continuum, where you, where you met with a messaging of don't cry, it's okay, or that is not okay to be mad, or maybe even a a more severe form of, of more of a punishment with different feelings. And the reason why it's important for you to stop and reflect yourself is because oftentimes we go with what we know, the way in which we parent and as educators, all the teachers out there who are listening, the way that you respond to your students so often is related to or comes from your prior experiences, the way that your brain was wired. And so it's beautiful. It's just wonderful when you're able to stop and think about your experience because that allows you to be intentional with how you interact with children. In our previous season, we talked all about the three C's and that is to connect, calm, and collaborate. And these are great strategies to use when a person is upset when they're um, triggered, like we've talked about before, when they're really over overwhelmed with big feelings, we can connect with them and say, acknowledge their emotion. I can tell you're upset or um, are you feeling mad? You're just kind of connecting with them on an emotional level. And then the second C is to calm here. What or what can I do to support you? Let's take some calming breaths. Um, maybe a brain break would help. A brain break is where you take kind of a, a calming break where you remove yourself from the situation. A child might have a little tub or toolkit where they have calming sensory items. And then the final C is to collaborate. That's where you sit back down once everyone is calm and in control and you say, okay, 
what happened here? What were you thinking and feeling? What was the problem? How did it affect other people? And how can you solve it? How can we both work together to solve this problem and to repair a rupture in a relationship when that happens? And so today, as we think about our feelings and our meta emotions, the way we feel about our feelings, that really ties into the first C of connecting. So when we connect with children and we see that they're really upset, it can be tempting, you know, from the, with the best of intentions for us to say, oh, it's okay, honey, don't cry. It's okay. Maybe they spilt their ice cream on the floor. It's okay, honey, we'll go get you a new one. You don't need to cry. We have the best of intentions, right? We're trying to come alongside and we're trying to calm them. That's kind of getting to the second C. And yet there are some unintended messages of us wording it in that way. So rather than saying, it's okay, don't cry, we can say, I can tell you're upset. It's okay to be sad. Oh, I know I feel sad when I drop my food too. Um, let's take some breaths. <sighs> okay, how are we gonna solve this? You know what? There's a little bit, there's some more ice cream left in the tub. I bet we could scoop you a new one. Let's clean up the ice cream on the floor first. So um Basically, you're still you're still having that outcome where you're getting another scoop of ice cream or you're doing whatever task that will um, assist the situation, but you're just taking a moment to pause, to acknowledge the emotion, to say that it's okay, and then to move on once you've made that emotional connection, once you've you're essentially you're building that meta emotional philosophy for, philosophy for your child or for your student. You're telling them it's okay to feel sad. You can feel comfortable in knowing that whatever emotion you're experiencing is okay. And of course, we can put some parameters around when we feel angry. What are some things that we can do to help our brain when we're angry? So we're not saying any emotion's okay. You can be mad. You can destroy the room. You can do all these things. We, we want to guide children and we want to help them so that way they're channeling their emotions, they're holding space for them without judgment, and they're finding a healthy way to cope with them. And so applying the three C's, connect, calm, collaborate, we know that's important. And we know in the research that those strategies are very effective. But I want to pause for a moment for the remainder of this episode and talk about how it's easier said than done for ourselves. So it might be one thing to tell kids, it's okay to feel sad. And yet as adults, it can almost be more difficult to embrace that meta-emotional philosophy of emotions being okay or good. And the reason why this podcast topic even came up is because I revisited season one of our episode, of our podcast, and I listened to the last episode that was all about gratitude. And in that episode, I talked about the power of gratitude and how when we are doing practices like journaling our gratitude list, saying what we're thankful for, telling people thank you for what they're doing, how that in the research, it shows that it, it can increase our health and it can bring about feelings of joy and it can increase your overall levels of well-being in your life. And so I was listening to that episode and I thought, okay, great. I can maybe revisit that, do a gratitude part two for season one of this of this new or season two, um, the first episode of season two. I thought, awesome. I have I have what we're gonna focus on. And then I had some some difficult things happen um, personally. I had some really awesome things, some blessings, and then um, some family health problems occur. And so here I was 
doing my gratitude journal in the morning, really trying to practice these, these things. And I know I have a whole host of things that I can be so grateful for with my family and the people that I get to work with and my friends, the home that I live in, so many blessings. And I was writing down these gratitudes and I was also feeling some sadness. And I was thinking, gosh, I have so much to be grateful for. I shouldn't be feeling sad. And I almost started to feel frustration over not feeling happy, over feeling some some sadness. And that's what gave me pause. Thomas, my husband, actually was wonderful. And he said, um, I'm curious. I, he said, I'm curious about the way you're feeling about your feelings. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that's amazing. I bet there's a term out there for feelings for your feelings. I, I love the term metacognition, thinking about your thinking. That's totally part of my frame of reference. And I, I feel like I'm very metacognitive. But when he said, how are you feeling about your feelings? That's when I stopped. I went to the research and I and I was able to, to discover from Dr. John Gottman, one of my main research guys, that meta emotions are powerful. And so turns out that if you're able to stop and acknowledge not only your feelings, but the way you feel about them, that can have really helpful um, health outcomes for yourself. And also your children are watching you. They're, they're seeing everything that you do. I had a wonderful conversation with my aunt-in-law this morning, actually, and she was talking about how children are so perceptive and they have amazing perception over adults' authenticity. And so kids might hear us saying, it's okay to be sad. It's okay to cry. And yet they're also watching us when we're upset. And how do we treat ourselves? What's the self-talk that we're using for ourselves? And that's going to speak volumes for how they form their own meta-emotional philosophy. So I want to just tell you some things, some strategies that you can try out as it pertains to the way that you feel about your feelings. And you can know that as you do this, the children in your life are going to pick up on it, and then they're going to be able to internalize those perceptions and that posture that you have towards feelings. Tip number one is to do an emotion check-in. You're connecting with yourself. You're applying the first C of connect, and you're just getting curious about how you're feeling. You can just ask yourself, I wonder how I'm feeling. And also you can think about what is my somatic experience or how am I feeling these things in my body? So if you notice that you're feeling really anxious, you could think to yourself, okay, I think I'm feeling anxious and how is my body feeling? Maybe you're, you have a stomach ache or you feel your heart racing. Maybe you do an emotions check-in and you realize that you're frustrated and you're angry and you can feel maybe flustered or maybe your face feels hot. So you're just getting in touch with your somatic experience and you're just trying to figure out what is my emotional landscape right now. So step one is just doing that check-in. Step number two is to pause and then notice any meta emotions. How do you feel about how you feel? And this might take a little, a little bit to get used to. You might not have considered meta emotions very deeply. Like I hadn't spent much time considering that. So you might notice, you know what? I feel kind of guilty. So let's take my example. I was journaling my gratitudes and then I was feeling kind of some some sadness or some frustration because I had the expectation that I should feel joy. So my meta emotion was 
frustration. So I was feeling sad. That was my feeling. Um, my somatic experience, you know, my kind of had, I usually feel, um, in my body, like my stomach hurt. So I could tell something was up. Um, my meta emotion was frustration over feeling some sadness. And that was really helpful. Once Thomas said, what are your feelings about your feelings that, you know, cued me in to go research that and to really be mindful. Um, and then finally, once you kind of notice this inner dialogue that you're having or the, the way you're feeling about your experience, step three is to hold space for your emotions and Hold space for your meta emotions without judgment. So you're just acknowledging, you're noticing, I am feeling sad. I am feeling frustrated over being sad because I'm desiring to feel joy because of my gratitudes. And so you're just thinking this through and you're holding space for all of these feelings. You don't want to be feeling bad or punishing yourself or getting to this this shame response, but just notice. And something in the Positive Choices curriculum, an, an analogy we use, is emotions being like a storm. So strong feelings can kind of be like a storm. Sometimes, you know, there's a really big storm and it's windy and there's rain and then the storm goes away, the wind settles down and the sun comes out and now you're feeling happy or you're feeling calm. So to know that feelings are transient, that how how we experience the world, what we're going through at an emotions level changes, that is so powerful just to know I can sit out the storm, I can notice what's happening, but I don't have to fight it right? Because if you are stifling your emotions and you say, nope, I'm going to be happy. I just did my journal. I'm going to, you know, put a happy face on. You're not really allowing your brain and body to acknowledge your feelings and then work through them. Rather, you're just shoving them down and you're not allowing your brain to um, complete the stress cycle to fully acknowledge your your human experience. And so um, that's something that I'm going to be working on. Again, a, a lot of people say that research is actually me search. Um, so I love on this podcast where I can just take you along my journey, my journey of understanding the brain, understanding human connection and what vitality looks like in light of what we know about research in practices with well-being and practices with our interpersonal relationships. And so some things that you might try, some things that I'm going to try as a recap, number one, just to do some emotional check-ins throughout the day. Maybe when it might be when I'm starting to feel upset, it might just be maybe set an alarm for maybe a couple times during the day. Maybe at 12 o'clock, you have a little alarm go off in your phone and you pause and you think, okay, emotions check in. What am I feeling right now? And what is my somatic experience? How's my body feeling with this? Then the second step or the second tip you might try is to pause and then notice any meta emotions. How am I feeling about my feeling right now? And then finally, try to be mindful. The third tip would just be to to be mindful of both your feelings and your meta emotions and just hold space for everything. Hold this little space where you're saying, it's okay to feel all the things. And I'm not going to judge that. Rather, I'm going to say it's okay. And then step four is to find something that's going to serve you. What would be a helpful and healthy choice for you to make in that moment. So we're saying, yes, it's okay to be anxious and frustrated and mad. 
what can I do now that's going to help me complete the stress cycle? We'll talk more about the stress cycle later. Um, What's going to help my brain feel better? Maybe it's turning towards someone. Maybe it's me calling Thomas up and saying, hey, when you get off of work, I'm going to take you up on that pizza offer. Let's go get dinner. Or um, you know what? I'm going to go walk around the block because my brain needs some exercise right now. And as you start to internalize these steps, as you get really comfortable with your own emotional landscape and the healthy choices and the, the coping skills that you employ, you're going to find that it is so much easier to teach these things to your children and to your students. And I think you're really going to notice a difference in your family, in your marriage, and in your schools as you try these things out. I'd like to make a note, a caveat about these tips and strategies. They are certainly helpful for everyone. And yet I do want to make sure that if you are feeling persistent feelings of sadness or loss of interest, that can characterize a major depression or a major depressive episode. And If you're experiencing clinical depression, having the support of a medical provider, a psychologist, a therapist, um, someone who is medically trained, that is so crucial and important. So um, even with your child as well, if you're noticing changes in sleep, appetite, energy level, maybe concentration, daily behavior, or or changes in the self-esteem or self-concept, even as, as intense as thoughts that are associated with suicide, please, please make sure that you seek out the medical advice and support that you or your child needs. And it is so common. In fact, in 2019, there's an estimated, there was an estimated 13.1 million U.S. adults aged 18 and older that had at least one major depressive episode with severe impairments during that year. So if you or your child or one of your students are experiencing persistent sadness, seeking out medical attention is wonderful. It's It can be so helpful and know that you are not alone and there are really wonderful medical interventions that can assist you. I just want to thank each and every one of you for listening to this episode, episode one of season two of the Positive Choices podcast. I hope this week that you are able to have meaningful connection with others. If you celebrate Thanksgiving, I wish you safe travels if you're traveling and just really meaningful connections. I hope that as you are becoming more mindful of your emotions, that you're able to really just hold this healthy space and give yourself permission to feel and that your children or students pick up on that, and then it really shifts the culture of the way that you live, parent, or teach. Thanks so much, and I will talk with you soon.